Are there important things I should consider when finding an agent to work with? Are there red flags I should avoid? I would say that you need, if you're going to be a real estate investor, you need to find a real estate agent who also invests. Welcome to Teach Me Real Estate Investing, a show where I share my personal journey and the challenges I face as an investor. I invite industry experts to share their wisdom and advice to help me overcome these adversities with the hope that it'll help you on your own personal journey. I'm your host, Sogad Ghimire, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Teach Me Real Estate Investing. Today, I'm super excited to have with us the one, the only, Mr. Craig Kurloff. For those of you who don't know Craig, he's the author of the Bigger Pockets book on the house hacking strategy and a co-host on the Investify podcast. So with that, Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me on, man. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And I guess I'm your fifth guest, so an honor. Yeah, exciting, yes. So today we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about house hacking and how it helped you achieve financial freedom. We have to. How can we not? You wrote the book. It's there right behind you. I see the the poster there. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we're yeah, and then we're going to talk about how that has allowed you to pursue your passion and build the Phi team. Uh, and then finally, I also want to touch on how to cultivate a healthy relationship between an investor and an agent. Uh, so before we dive into all of that, um, for people who don't know you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into real estate and where are you in your journey right now? Yeah, for sure. So for those that don't know me, my name is Craig Kurlop, the Fi guy on Instagram. And yeah, so really my whole my whole thing is like house hacking is just such an amazing way for beginning investors to get started, right? Because you're going to buy a property. You don't need a lot of money to get started, typically 10 or 20 grand, which you know is, is still a lot of money, but relative to other forms of real estate is not that much. Um, you, you're living there, you're living in your rental property. So it's kind of like a training it's kind of like you're real estate investing with training wheels. You're, you're, you're eliminating your largest expense, with, which is rent, and you're still gaining equity and all of the benefits of real estate investing. So I, I did this strategy first, in two, not the first ever, but like I, I first did it in 2017, and it totally changed my life. I did it in 2017, 2018, 2019, all the way up until 2022, right? Even till I, I did my last one this year. And it's completely changed my life. Um, uh, after my third house hack, I, I was financially independent. So I had about $3,000 of passive income coming in. And that was like my my base level financial independence. That allowed me to quit my job, take risks, and help hundreds of other people do the same thing I did. House hack, which started in the Denver area. Now we're expanding to different markets. Um, and so that's kind of where the birth of the Fi team was. And so now the Fi team is a team of real estate investors that are also real estate agents. And we're here to coach, guide, and mentor, especially you, you know, those people that are on their first, second, or third deal through that entire process of getting their first deal, analyzing the numbers, getting it rented out, putting it on Airbnb, you know, just super specialty in that case. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so what, uh, I guess, how did you discover, um, house hacking in the first place? Yeah, so I was, how did I first discover house hacking? I honestly don't remember when I first discovered house hacking, but I know that I was in a job that I hated um, in California back in 2015, 2016. And I started listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast in like late 2016. And so at that time, 
I'm sure I heard about house hacking a million times on that podcast. And it was just the obvious way to start. I don't remember like the person that first told me about it. Um, and then, yeah, once I discovered the house hacking about house hacking, I was just doing as much research and as much knowledge as I could. There wasn't nearly as much out there as there is today, um, back in 2016, but there was enough to have, to allow me to have the confidence to get started. And so then I went down, down the path starting in uh, June, 2017 is when I closed on my first house hack. Yeah. So, so for folks in our audience who don't even know what house hacking is, can you give us a, like a very quick brief overview of what, what we mean when we say house hacking? So the idea of house hacking is that you're buying a one to four unit property with three to 5% down. You're living in one unit or one room and renting out the other units or other rooms so that your rent pays your mortgage and you're living rent free. So basically you're using your property that you live in to make some money to hopefully live for rent, rent free, but at least drastically subsidize your rent payments so that, you know, your $2,000 monthly mortgage might turn to be a thousand dollars and you've got, you're living in a beautiful house for just a thousand dollars a month. The, the perfect house hack in my, in my opinion is when you can actually live for free or maybe even get paid to live where you are. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, I think it'd be really helpful if we then now just dive into your journey Right. And uh, I think it'd be helpful if you could just walk us through that very first deal. You said you were in California, you discovered house hacking, you went on bigger pockets, learned more about it. Uh, tell us about that first deal and how you found that property. Yeah. So the first deal was a duplex because back in 2017, that was the only way to house hack, where the rent by the room strategy wasn't very popular. Airbnb wasn't that popular yet. And so I found a duplex that was a mile and a half away from the office that I worked. I I lived in the bottom and rented out the top. I purchased that duplex for three hundred eighty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I rented the top for seventeen fifty, and my mortgage payment was twenty-two hundred. And so I was determined to live for free, and I was not. And so what I did was I Airbnb'd out my bedroom yeah. for eleven hundred dollars a month, and I slept in the living room on a, you know, on a futon behind a curtain and a room divider. And, uh, and so now I was making $2,800 a month on a $2,200 mortgage, you know, basically cash flowing $600 a month, maybe a little less than that after you put some aside for reserves yeah. and I was living for free in a great area. So that's where it all started. Yeah. So you said you purchased, you said 380, is that what you said? 385. Yep. Yeah. 385. So how did you finance it? Did you, you, I think you mentioned earlier, three to five, 3.5 to 5% is what you, what people typically house hack with. Is that what you did? Yep. I used a three and a half percent down FHA loan. Um, Mm -hmm. If I had to do it all over again, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably would have done a 3% down conventional loan and bought a single family house. Mm -hmm. However, you know, you as you get, again, your first deal isn't going to make or break you. Like it wasn't the most efficient, However, um, you know, like as I did deal two, I got smarter and deal three, I got even smarter and deal four. And so like you kind of get smarter as you go. Okay. Uh, Let's touch on that a little because I I don't know why, right? Like, so you said I would, instead of doing an FHA, you said you would do a 3% conventional. Why is that? Yeah. So the FHA loan is great for duplexes, triplexes, and quads. Um, But I lived behind a curtain. Right. Like that's right. not fun. And maybe that's a, that's kind of like the cornerstone of my story and maybe why that people like my story. But, um, you know, if I just did a 3% down and bought a place, maybe a little bit outside of the city um, and rented out the rooms that way, I would have had my own bedroom. 
I would have mm-hmm. gotten more cash flow, um, though my appreciation would not have been as much. So that property right. has over doubled at this point, five years, five mm-hmm. and a half years later. And right. so, you know, it's always kind of that, like, what do you want game? But, you know, I, I, I chose a place that was really close to the office and an up and coming area that, you know, I kind of got lucky. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So when you first started, you got this house. What were some of the challenges you faced initially as a new investor or someone just getting into house hacking? And how did you overcome these challenges? It's probably the biggest challenge that I had was just explaining to people what I was doing and why I was doing it. Because I was making good money, you know, I was making right. not good money. Okay, I mean, I was making like seventy thousand dollars a year base, mm-hmm. probably with bonuses up to eighty, eighty-five thousand. So like enough to not have to live behind a curtain for sure. Right. And right. so you know, my mom was like, "You went to school for five years. Like you got a degree. You, you're making good money. Why are you sleeping behind the curtain?" Right. Right. And I had to explain that to them, and, and so. You know, my grandfather, who I've looked up to my whole life, you know, was like, why are you being such a miser? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to be like this forever? Are you going to have four kids and, and be behind a curtain? I'm just like, no, like I'm 24. I'm young. I'm single. I'm going to take advantage of that situation, live like I'm in college so I can profit as much as I can. That way, by the time I'm 30, I can go and live the life of my dreams and, and have the house of my dreams and start a family and, right. and provide for my wife and kids. So that's it. That was hard. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, So before we continue through your journey, I think it was super powerful when you explained to me, uh, you know, how that property is doing today. And I think you kind of touched on that as well. So that very first property that you bought for 385, you were, I think you said uh, you were making about 2,800 a month, right? Mm -hmm. Let's fast forward to today. Do you still own that property? And how is that doing? So great question. Yeah. So the cash flow hasn't changed much. I did refinance it when the rates were low. So I took out my PMI. My monthly payment on that one is now around $1,900 a month. Um, and I'm making a little over $3,000 a month in rent. So I think it's like I'm getting like 1600 and 1500 or something like that. So it's like 3100 or so. And so I'm making a little over $1,000 over the mortgage. Um, after you set aside property management and um, all that good stuff, uh, I'm probably making like four or five hundred dollars a month on that property. Um, but the kicker is that property is in a really up and coming area, really close to downtown Denver. And it's I got an appraisal earlier this year, and it was worth eight hundred thousand. Wow. Right, so it went from three eighty five to eight hundred thousand in almost exactly five years. Wow. Yeah, that, that's incredible. I think people, especially newer investors, right, they look at the deal and they have a very short, uh, short-sighted uh, view of it. And they'll say, hey, this, this, it's worth this much. It's going to cash flow this much. And they don't realize that, you know, as you own the property for longer and longer, like it gives back like tremendously. And so I think it's always good to like, you know, look at the deal that you made five years ago, right? In just five years, you have, you know, I don't know what the return is, but that's incredible, right? Like from three eighty five to like, eight. Yeah, the return is like five hundred percent or something like that. it's it's right. nuts, right? You can't expect every deal to be like that. And I got lucky. I, I got mm-hmm. lucky, but I put myself in a position to be lucky by buying right. and not being afraid and taking right. the risk, right? And so, really, you just need to buy. 
You need to buy and hold, make sure the property cash flow is even break even is fine, and then just keep buying every single year. And eventually you'll be able to refinance to get better cash flow and you know your property will appreciate and all good things happen. Yeah. Um, so you bought that first one and then you mentioned before you achieve financial freedom, you bought two more, right? So you re, uh, repeated this process twice more. Uh, were, was there anything, did you do anything significantly different with the next two properties uh, as compared to the first one? Uh, I guess what lessons did you learn from that first one that you were then able to apply to the next two? Yeah, so I was pretty sick of living behind a curtain, as you can imagine. And so pretty much exactly a year on the money, I purchased my second place. And that was a five-bed, two-bath, single-family home in a place called Thornton, Colorado. And I was kind of on the south side of Thornton, which is probably 10, 15 minutes to downtown, probably 15 minutes to downtown Denver. Um, so still a pretty good location. And that one, I decided to do rent by the room. And so I had my own room upstairs. I took one of the crappier rooms. Um, but I took that room and I rented out the other four rooms in the house. Um, there was one room had a separate entrance and a garage parking. So I gave, I gave that, so I was able to charge a premium. Another room had a master suite, so it had its own bathroom. And then there was the other two rooms were just normal little bedrooms. And so I was able to get a premium. So I was making probably $3,100 a month on a $2,000 mortgage while while living there. Um, and then of course, when I moved out, I rented out my room and that increased to about $3,800 a month on a $2,000 mortgage. Awesome. That was the second one. That was the second one. Yep. Yeah. And then the third one, same thing, similar so story, I guess. Third one, I got smarter, right? And so okay. this is what I'm saying is you keep getting smarter. And so the third one, I found a house that had a kitchen in the basement. Um, it was really outdated and it definitely needed to be redone. And so I was like, oh, what I could do is I could actually split this place up. It was a six bed, three bath. Uh, this was just 10 minutes from downtown Denver, about five minutes south of the house, I, my second one. And this one I bought for 380. And so what I did was I put about $20,000 into the basement. So I redid all the floors, the paint, and redid that really ugly kitchen, turned it into an Airbnb. That Airbnb was making me about $2,000 a month. And then I was renting out the other two bedrooms that I was not occupied in upstairs. And so I, I took the crappiest room and rented out the other two rooms again. Um, and I was making like 1500 from those two rooms. So I was making $3,500 a month on a $2,100 mortgage. And so that was $1,400 of cash flow while living there rent free. Yeah. That's phenomenal that you're able mm -hmm. to achieve all that. And and you mentioned earlier, you're like, oh, I got lucky. But you have been able to repeat this process over and over again. So I don't know if it's luck. I feel like, you know, I there's got... a certain formula that, you know, you've mastered and that you were able to repeat. And um, so I, I guess I want to ask you for folks that want to get into this, right? They're inspired by your story. They want to get into house hacking. Do you look for specific things when you look at a property? Like, what are you looking for when you're like, I want to identify a property that's a good house hack? It all depends on what strategy you want to do. So if you want to do rent by the room, the more beds, the better, right? That's going to be the best cash flow. More beds and more baths is, is, is really what you want to look for. Um, if you want to do Airbnb, you want to look at, hey, how can I separate this space? If you really want your own separate space. How can you how can how can you work this house where you can separate the top from the bottom? So 
uh, is there stairs like right next to a door that you could just wall off and then boom, you've got your separation. Is there, um, you know, is there an easy way to cut it kind of like side by side, right? Can you kind of like section off a portion of the house, maybe add a little bathroom or add a little kitchen or something like that. So you really, each house is case by case. You kind of have to go look into it. Um, it definitely comes with a little bit of experience, but you know, again, if you just, if you find yourself a good investor friendly agent in your area, they'll know what works in your area and what doesn't. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. And if you are, I would really appreciate it if you could give me a five-star rating on whichever platform you're listening to me on. It would help get the podcast in front of more people so that they can also get value out of it. Thank you so much. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, that's awesome. So three properties, you got to financial freedom. Did you buy any other investment properties during these three years? Or was it just those three properties that got you to financial freedom? Those were the only ones that got me to financial freedom. I did buy another one that was kind of a disaster. Um, I did like a, try to do a flip in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, it was just a disaster. I mean, you name it, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong with that and right. lost a whole lot of money and all that. And so I even had a little bit of a headwind in that regard. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. How did you end up from that position uh, into the writing the house hacking strategy book? Like, how did you end up, right? Uh, yeah, at Bigger Pockets writing that book? Yeah, so while I was writing that book, I had done my second, going on my third house hack. And what's funny is, is that Brandon was going to write the book at first. And so, but Brandon was, this was back in 2018 or so. And Brandon was just starting his um, his open door capital company. Um, and he was kind of beyond house hacking, Frank, to be frank, right? He hadn't house hacked yeah. in a few years and he's like, I'm not, I could tell he wasn't interested in it anymore. So then he passed it on to Scott Trench. Scott Trench is the CEO of Bigger Pockets. Um, he was the newly appointed CEO of Bigger Pockets because Josh Dorkin had just left. So he was all stressed yeah. and trying to be the CEO of Bigger Pockets. And he's like, right. I, I just don't have the bandwidth to write this book. And again, he didn't care that much about house hacking anymore. And then there was me. Option number three. And so um, because I was there and around them and I had house hacks, I was excited about it and I still am excited about it. They, you know, I was kind of like the obvious choice to, to be given that opportunity. Not to mention I was writing that book. I was uh, writing blog posts for Bigger Pockets, um, you know, every single week for like two years. And so people, they knew that I could write. They knew that I had good content. And then it was just a matter of, you know, being able to write the book. Yeah, that's awesome. So you achieved financial freedom, and then you moved on. Now you have uh, created the Phi team, right? Uh, what made you start? Well, first of all, what made you transition from, a, I guess, you quit your job. You, you became a real estate agent. What inspired you to go that route to become an agent? Yeah, that's a good question too, man. So I, I, had, I got my license in 2017, and I was only going to do it to do my own deals. And so I did my own, I, I, helped, I bought my own house hack in 2018 and 2019. And then in 2019, when I was buying my second house hack that I bought with my license, um, my buddy came up to me and said, hey, would you want to help me buy my house hack? I'm looking to do this and you've done it three times now. So, mm-hmm. you know, who, who, who better else than, than you right. to help me? And I was like, yeah, sure. What does it take? I'll go look around with my buddy and it'll be fun. And then at the end of that, I got paid like 10 grand or something like that. And I was like, oh. That was like kind of a fun 10 grand to make. And so yeah. then I was like, oh, maybe I'll start doing this. And so I started just kind of getting word out that I was, you know, helping people 
house hack and helping people, you know, using my license to help people and guide them and mentor them through this whole process. And then, you know, that kind of the rest is history, I guess. Like I did uh, like a hundred deals in my first year. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And that was really, really busy. Right. And so I was yeah. always on the phone. I had no life. Thank God it was COVID because okay. there's like, like, I wouldn't have, I couldn't travel anyway, so I might as well have worked. And so that was, that was the year that I was like, okay, I can't keep doing this. I either need to quit or hire a team. And so I started getting agents under me. What I realized is that myself, I could help a hundred people a year. And that was a cap and I was burning out and I wasn't very happy. Yeah. If I have a team of let's say 20 agents, each of them can help 10 to 20 people a year. That's 200 to 400 people that I, that we can help achieve financial yeah. independence. And the five teams mission is to help people achieve financial independence through real estate investing, right? It's, it's to reduce the U.S. retirement age. It's like big stuff that I can't possibly do on my own. And so that's why the five team was started. What, what year was it that you started the team? 2020. End of 2020. 2020. Yeah. And what does the team look like today? Because you've grown really fast, right? Yeah. It always feels, it always feels slower than, I don't know. I don't, but anyway, yeah. So my team today, have, we probably have like 12 or so agents in Denver. Um, we're expanding. We've got three agents in Seattle, one in San Diego when we're expanding down there. And then I actually moved to northern Idaho and we're starting to grow up here in northern Idaho as well. And I'm the agent up here. So, Wow, that's incredible. Uh, what do you think helped you scale so quickly? Like, In, in my opinion, I think this is, you know, quite fast. What do you think led to the success of growing such a large team so fast? Um, I really think it's just being authentic, right? Being like not being super intimidating. Like anybody on my team can text me or call me anytime. And I'm usually there to answer. If not, I get back pretty quick. Um, Just providing a stupid amount of value for everyone on our team. And so like every, we just had our, you know, I had my quarterly one-on-ones with every single agent on the team. And I don't think a single person said like, oh, there's more that you could do. There's like, oh, there's so much that you guys do. We really appreciate you guys. And so that doesn't mean we're stopping, right? We're still looking for different ways to provide value, to get more leads to our agents. To So yeah, we, we supply them with leads. We supply them with all the support to then support those leads and, and serve those leads. And then we help them, you know, help them help other people achieve financial independence as well. And they love getting those text messages saying, hey man, thanks so much for getting me my first house. Like I couldn't have done it without you. Like now we're on our way, right? And it's just, that's really special for us. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure growing so f- such a large team, you know, all over the place has its challenges. What are some of the challenges you're facing today? Um, the challenges we're facing today, some, some agents work a lot better and a lot harder than others. And as I'd say there's just some growing pains, right? Because we were a little bit more laxed and a little bit more, you know, when we first started, but now that we have more agents, you know, the agents that work harder are going to get more leads. It's kind of like the rich get richer. And unfortunately that's Mm -hmm. the way it works. And so some of the agents are used to kind of just like sitting back and getting leads and these leads are great and they're coming in and all that, but you know, it's not necessarily the way that works anymore. Now the hustler is going to get the leads. The hustler is going to, and so just kind of going through that change um, is really the biggest thing. Just, I think, natural, normal growing pains. Yeah, cool. Uh, I think uh, something that goes through a lot of 
real estate investors' minds are, I think at one point everyone considers, should I become an agent myself, right? You did because you were like, I want to represent myself on, in my deals. Other agents may have similar thoughts. In your opinion, who should consider be, being an agent? Are there certain, I guess, characteristics or traits that people should look out for? Are there certain circumstances? What is your opinion here? Well, the best real estate agents are DIs on the disc, but um, no, that's not really, anyone can be a real estate agent, right? Um, and it really depends on, on what your goals are. Um, if you want to do a deal a year yourself, I think it makes sense to have your real estate license, then you could potentially have that opportunity as a side hustle, right? And so if you, if you like your W2 job right now, that's fine. But let's say in three months, you, your boss quits and you get a new boss and you hate your new boss. Well, you can always say, screw this, I'm just going to go be a full-time real estate agent. Go join a team and, and crush it there. Or you can help you know, a couple friends on the side. And if you're in a higher price market, like Saga, I don't know where you're at, but like, you know, if you're in Denver, for example, the average commission is probably 11 or 12 grand. Saga, where are you at? Seattle. Seattle. Okay, Seattle. Um, so Seattle is a great, a great place as well. We've got, you know, we've got our team up there. And so in Seattle, it's even more. It's probably like 12 to 15,000. And so, you know, you do three deals a year and that's an extra 45 grand. Yeah. Right. Like that's that's sizable income. And so it's a great just side hustle to have. And then you'll find that if you like doing that, you may want to go full time. And that's that's when the real fun starts to happen. Yeah. So folks who, you know, have heard this episode and they're like, hey, I really want to work with the Fi team. How do they get in contact with you or the Fi team? So you can get in contact with me. Um, I'm at the Fi guy on Instagram. If you want to work with our team, uh, the Fi team dot com. And then there's little. Okay. A little button there that says let's house hack and yeah. you click on that and then boom you're you'll be good to go and whatever wherever you are fill out that form and we'll reach out to you within 24 hours most likely yeah that's awesome so as an investor uh i value my relationship that i build with my agent right i want to lean on them for some guidance especially mm -hmm. if i'm looking at properties out of state and i'm not there mm -hmm. you're both an investor and an agent right uh, and I guess just getting to the point, what annoys you the most about working with investors? Um, what annoys me the most? Maybe just indecisiveness. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if they say one thing or, or they just kind of, there's, I can tell when someone is analyzing a deal and being reasonable and when someone is just like, not being reasonable. And so if someone's not being reasonable about like, oh, this thing is going to blow the whole deal up or they're kind of like on a power trip, that's yeah. kind of frustrating. But I'd say that that happens pretty rarely. Um, honestly, there's not there's not too much that really aggravates me. I kind of like seeing people through the journey and coaching and, and teaching them through it. Yeah. Uh, what would you suggest for myself who I want to foster a healthy relationship with my agent? Uh, are there certain things I can do to make their life easier so that we can work together. Cause I think there's lots of benefits to both sides if you have a healthy mm -hmm. relationship. So what can I do, you know, to help my agent? That's a great question, man. I don't think I've ever gotten that question. <laughs> um, things to help your agent. Um, I would say like, just be in touch, right? Come to the events, like be a familiar face. Like don't, don't, 
Um, yeah, if you're agent of events, definitely come to the events, right? Like help other people, get other people involved. Like if you could refer your friends and your family to that agent, that would be really helpful. Um, you know, and then just like, yeah, then you become like, a, I'm sure you become a really good friend of them, of theirs. Right. Yeah. So myself, I guess my particular case, I'm mostly looking for agents out of state, right? Seattle's an expensive market. I'm kind of eyeing different markets. And so for me, it's more, hey, how do I develop the like a stronger relationship with my agents, especially if I don't have the opportunity to meet with them face to face often. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't worry. Honestly, if you keep doing deals with your agent, your agent's going to be very happy. Yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, but you know, referrals would probably be the biggest thing. Yeah. And coming to the events. Yeah. One of the things I struggle with the most with my agent, uh, my yeah, agents is, especially the ones that I'm just starting to talk to, they'll send me deals that make absolutely no sense. Like I'll an analyze them and the numbers are like way off. Uh, so I want to hear from you, like, what can I do better? Is it on me to analyze all these deals and figure out, you know, you know, they sent me a, a property. I tell them, you know, what numbers would actually work for me? Uh, or can I somehow teach my agents or tell them, um, you know, how I analyze deals uh, could I could I get them to do some preliminary analysis before they send it to me? Because I get a lot, right? And so analyzing through all of those, especially if they don't make any sense, could be a waste of time for both of us. Uh, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I would say that you are an investor. And so you can't lean on your agent to, um, to analyze deals for you because you're going to have different assumptions. You're going to have different perspectives. And of course, your agent really wants to get the deal done. Right. Um, I, 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 that's not how we operate. Like we try to operate in the client's best interest, but not all agents are that way. Um, and so the way that I always do it, right. Is Cause I don't know exactly what you want. Like I could analyze a house and you could be like, Oh, that, that layout doesn't work or that location is not good. And so the way I always work it is, is, you know, typically we, like we put our clients on a search and 90% of those houses on the search are meet the criteria that can be specified. Now it's hard to, it's hard to delineate layouts. It's hard to delineate exact numbers like on a search, but then you get sent deals kind of automatically, right? We're not actually mm -hmm. just like sending you deals. And then you kind of run your preliminary numbers, you know, no, 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 no. Oh, this one's interesting. And you give right. us a list of like, sometimes it's 10 or 15, mm -hmm. right? And so what people, I say, you know, if you want to give me, I always say, give me your top five. We'll definitely check those out. If you don't know what your top five is, give me 10 or 15 and I'll give you my top five out of those 10 or 15, right? And so that's kind of how I how we usually do it is, um, but yeah, it's hard to, to take 3,000 houses on the market and run the numbers. Right. And especially because if your agent is good, he probably has more than one client. He's probably more working more than just you. So he's not going to have the time to go ahead and analyze every deal for you. But he absolutely can check your analysis, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I that's what we do a lot of is like, and I don't want to run the deal for you. Like, I want you to be an investor on your own. If I die, I want you to be able to do this deal still. And right. so like you learn it, you do it, and then you bring it to us to, hey, I just want you to check my numbers, check my assumptions, check my rent. And if we're like, yeah, this all looks good, let's move forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Are there important things I should consider when finding an agent to work with? Are there red flags I should avoid? I would say that you need, if you're going to be a real estate investor, you need to find a real estate agent who also invests. Okay. Um, and the reason is, is that you want an agent that can recommend a roofer, 
an electrician, a plumber, all the vendors that you need. You want someone to be able to tell you what the numbers are, understand what your mortgage payment is going to be, look at, be able to look at the house and say, hey, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this to increase your cash flow if you need to. Um, and so you want to be able to look at it, someone to look at it with an investor's perspective, especially someone that has is doing what you're doing, like achieving financial independence through real estate investing, right? And so that is my main thing. And then not only that, but a real estate agent that has that type of skills, right? Probably has a community of people around him that are very similar or her. And then you can be like, Hey, well, like, can I come to your meetup? Hell yeah, you can come to my meetup. And then you get in, introduced to 30 other people doing the same thing. And then you're in the community and now you're growing faster and you're around people and that are filling your tank and, and all that good stuff. So is that a good answer? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's really <laughs> helpful. Um, especially looking for agents who do this themselves, right? They, they will probably be the best to understand what to look out for and gotchas. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, for people who want to get started in real estate investing in this next year, right? They, they watch this episode, they're inspired. Do you have any tips or advice on uh, how they can get started? Um, you know, if you're listening to this show, it's definitely a good step, right? Keep educating yourself, keep reading, and reach out to uh, reach out to an investor from the agent in your market, honestly, um, and ask them. And even if you're like two years out, you're not even ready. Just just get introduced to them, get involved in the community, because you'll find that your two years will turn into one year, maybe even six months when you start getting into it and you start learning of creative ways to get into real estate. Um, and so, yeah, that would be my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. So I want to hear a little bit about your goals and your next steps, right? So. What is it that I guess like, you know, what is your ultimate goal? Like, what are you working towards and what are you looking forward to in 2023? What are your goals in 2023? Yeah, that's good, man. So 2023, um, we're looking to continue to expand the five team. So again, we want to have probably 10 to 15 agents in Seattle, 10 to 15 agents in San Diego and and probably 10 to 15 agents here in Idaho. And so kind of copy and paste what we have in Denver and all these different places because we've got such an amazing community in Denver. We've got, you know, we've got so many people doing deals, getting together, like masterminding, all that good stuff. And we just love, love, love having that. And so we're just trying to replicate that in, in those markets. Um, that's kind of the five team side. From a personal perspective, um, we want to pick up a few more, um, our new number, right? Our number, the passive income number always changes is, you know, we'd like to get up to $20,000 a month of true cash flow, like after property management, after all that stuff. And I think at that point, we're like, okay, we can live a very comfortable life and not have to worry about like anything, right? Like we have more, way more than what we're spending and we can still save some because I don't think that maybe we live on, you know, let's say we live on $10,000 a month right now. And let's say, you know, we, we get to like, you're at 10,000, we're at $10,000 a month. Let's just say like, that's no fun, right? Because then I can't invest anymore, right? There's no, there's nothing, something happens then what, right? And so like, I think you need to have double the passive income from your expenses to really feel, and that's just to feel comfortable. And that's just me, but. Awesome. Um, yeah, so if people want to get in touch with you, right, uh, is, is Instagram the best way to do it? Like if they want to follow your journey and what you're up to? Yeah, if you want to, yeah, Instagram is going to be the best way for sure. Um, they have the Fi guy on Instagram. Um, and you can find me 
Yeah. Yeah. If you shoot me a DM, I usually answer as long as you don't just say like, hi, if you actually give me some sort of content. Um, and yeah, so feel free. Awesome. Yeah. I learned a lot today. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Okay. All right, that is the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I would really appreciate it if you could take a moment to give me a five-star rating on whichever platform you're listening to me on. It would really help my mission of teaching more people about real estate investing. Thank you, and I'll see you in the next one.